If you have your Bibles tonight, you can open them to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. I, I just want to read um, a few verses to you. It's in reference to the end of time. You'll soon realize that as I read through it. And I want you to keep that in mind even as we talk in depth tonight about the message that I'm going to bring you. But these are Jesus' words. They're in red. And who knows that Jesus means what he says. In verse 22, it says, he said to his disciples, the days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man and you will not see it. And they will look, they will say to you, look here or look there. Do not go after them or follow them. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also. The Son of Man will be in his day. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage. Until that day, Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot... They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who's in the field, let him not turn back. Remember. Lot's wife, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you that in that night there will be two men in one bed, the one will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together and one will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field and one will be taken and the other left. Remember Lot's wife. Jesus said. <laughs> Who is Lot's wife and why? I, I, I googled and I asked how many, how many women are mentioned in the Bible. It was actually fascinating because thousands of men are mentioned, but only 137 women are mentioned in the Bible. And I want to know why Lot's wife, we don't even know her name, why she was one of the 37 mentioned and the one that Jesus references in this passage and, and commands us to remember her. Why do we need to remember her? What, what do we know about her? Well, we know that she was the wife of Lot. Lot, as, as you will know, was Abraham's nephew. Abraham was the father of faith. He was one of the patriarchs. He was really the father of the the um, the, the Israelites. Um, and, and in Genesis 12, if you want to turn there, we're going to go through the book of Genesis very quickly tonight. But in Genesis 12, God called Abraham, you'll remember this, to leave his home. Sometimes God calls us to leave, to, to, to get out of a place where we're being influenced one way. He, he said, leave your home, leave your people leave your father's household, and go to the land I'm going to show you. I'm not even going to tell you 
where you're going. See, some of you don't want to move with God until he gives you all the details, but sometimes we don't have the details. He just expects obedience. And, and he says, go to the land that I'm going to show you. And here's the promise. He says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And so we see in Genesis chapter 12, verse 4, Abraham departs as the Lord had spoken to him, and he takes his nephew Lot and his wife with him. And his nephew Lot, his father, Abraham's brother, had died. And so Abraham really was watching over his, his uh, nephew Lot, and he grew up uh, being influenced by Abraham. Can you imagine being influenced by the father of faith? Can you, be, can you imagine being influenced by a man who loved the Lord so much and had that great influence upon him? And, and we see that throughout uh, Abraham and Lot's life. We see Abraham living a set-apart life, a life that was set apart from others. I'm willing to leave everything to follow the Lord. And the Bible says because he did that, he prospered greatly, and Lot, because he was arm-in-arm arm with Abraham, prospered as well. I'm going to just tell you, you will always prosper obeying God, always. The blessing of the Lord will follow you. Uh, Dave and I were working with our, our daughter, Kendall, who just got a job as a, as a nurse, and we were working through some finances with her this week, and, and she was going through her budget with her daddy, and I said, girlfriend, you got to make sure that your uh, tithe is in there. And I said, you know, it's a lot of money, but you need to understand that needs to be one of the first bills you pay, Kendall, because God will bless that. And Dave said, Rhea, she's already got it figured in there. But I'm just telling you that God will always bless obedience, always. And so uh, Abraham and Lot were prospering in chapter 13, verse 6, says they were prospering so greatly that they couldn't dwell together in the land anymore because their possessions were so great, there wasn't enough room for all their livestock and all their possessions because God had blessed them so much. Anybody want to be blessed like that? And so Abraham, in Genesis um, chapter uh, uh, 13, uh, he comes to uh, Lot and, and he says, our herdsmen are striving, or they're, they're in strife, they're fighting amongst each other, and we need to separate them. We each need to go our own way. God has blessed us so much, we need to go our own way. And so in Genesis 13, 8 and 9, we read, so Abraham said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Church, I'm just going to tell you, if there is strife between you and somebody else, you need to get it straightened out. There should be no strife amongst Christians. It, it grieves my soul to no end to see the bickering and the backbiting and the gossip going on in the church. God's people, this should not happen. People are watching us. And we need to be a, set a good example. And, and Abraham's saying, I, I don't want there to be strife here because uh, we're brethren. And he says, is not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll go to the right. And if you go to the right, then I'll go to the left. And so he was saying, Lot, you can even choose. You choose 
what part you want to go to. You go ahead and choose. You take first pick, which is just amazing to me. And in verse 10, we see that Lot looked around. Look at it. In, in verse 10, Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zor was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. He looked around, and he saw that the land was so beautiful and was prospering and was blessed, and he's like, I want that one. I want the good stuff. It, it looked good. It was well watered, and, and it was appealing, and, and I think he looked at it, and he thought, that's the easy way out. It's already prospering. Won't be much work, um, and, and, and the word looked there, if you look it up in the original language, it means he looked with longing. You see, he wasn't content with the godly life he had with Abraham. He wanted more. That's some of you here tonight. You're not content with what God has given you. You're not content with the spouse you're with. You want something better. You're looking at the world and you look with longing and it looks better than what you have. And I promise you, the grass always will look better, but it's usually over the septic tank. And that's what happened to, to Lot. He chose what looked good, what was appealing to the eye. Nowhere in this passage do we see that he consulted God. Nowhere do we see that he says, hey, God, what do, what do you want me to choose? He chose with his eyes. He chose what looked the best for him, what was the most attractive. He was moved by visions of a more comfortable, easier lifestyle, a life of abundance. He had been living in a tent in the desert, and here was this well-watered garden, and it looked good to him. And the Bible says that he chose the east, and anywhere you read about the east and the word of God, it's a picture of going farther away from God. Don't miss that in this passage. In Genesis 13, 13, it tells us that the area he chose was in Sodom. And Sodom was known to be a place of great wickedness. And, and we know that because the, the angel that comes to Lot later on says that the cry of the people have gone out from far and wide because of the wickedness that was there. People knew that Sodom was wicked. Lot would have known that Sodom was wicked, and yet he chose it anyway. Verse 13 says, that the wickedness was exceedingly great. And that in spite of that, Lot pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. I'm sure that if you had gone to Lot at that time and said, Lot, why in the world would a man who's been set apart his entire life, who was raised in a godly family, who was raised with a man who's the father of faith, Lot, why would you choose? Why would you choose to pitch your tent facing Sodom with your eye turned towards wickedness, turned towards sodomy is where we get that word? And why would you choose that, Lot? I'm sure he would say, I'm choosing to sit outside of it. Because I know it's wicked. I'm, I don't want to have any part of that. And, and I'm choosing to pitch my tent outside of it instead of in it. I'm sure he, he would have had an excuse. But, but you see, up until this time, he had lived a separated life. And now we see compromise beginning in his life. And I'm telling you, compromise is tricky. It, it's, it's a slow process. It's a slow fade in our life. One small compromise will lead to another, to another, to another, and before you know it, you will be smack dab in the middle of trouble. 
John Eastwood says, people do not decide to be drunkards, drug addicts, prostitutes, murderers, and thieves, but they pitch their tent towards Sodom, and the powers of evil overcome them. Albert Einstein said, I do not fear the explosive power of an atomic bomb. What I fear is the explosive power of the human heart. So Lot pitches his tent toward Sodom. His eyes were towards Sodom, towards compromise. He wanted one foot with God and one foot in the world. And so many of us do the same thing. We want to live with one foot in the world and one foot praising Jesus. We want to be on the fence. We want to be somewhere in between. We want to be able to compromise with the world and do what the world says is fun and exciting and is green because the grass is greener there. Look how much fun they're having and we want to compromise and I promise you it's over the septic tank. We see um, Lot go on from living with Abraham to longing for something better and he pitches his tent outside Sodom. Then we move on through the passage and in chapter 19 we see that he's no longer in a tent outside the city. We see that now he's living in the city in a house. And then we see that he's sitting at the gate of the city. You need to know that at the gate of the city is where business was conducted. It was a place of prominence. It was where the leaders sat. That tells me that, that Lot, who had been outside the city in a tent, he moved into the city that was known for its wickedness. Compromise, compromise, compromise. He's now living in a house, and now he's at the gate. He's in a place of great prominence in a city that's wicked. In order to get into a place of great prominence, what would he have had to do? Compromise. He would have had to barter his faith away. He would have had to compromise his faith in order to gain acceptance. To be in that type of position, we know that he would have had to compromise greatly. Boyce says, if you're in this position, you are not winning Sodom. Sodom is winning you, and you must flee from it. Downfall always occurs one step at a time. Dave will tell you one of my favorite scriptures is in Romans chapter 6, verses 21 through 23. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things you are now ashamed of? For the end of those things is death, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We can quote that scripture, but do you know what came before it? What benefit are you reaping? From the sin you're now ashamed of. What was so worth that sin? <laughs> what, what was the payoff of that sin that now you're ashamed <laughs> of the very thing you did? Shame has overtaken you, but hey, baby, was it worth it when you were indulging in it? Was that tasty? Because now you're living in shame because of it. Was it worth it? What benefit did you reap when you were indulging in that sin? Was it really worth it? Because the wages of sin is death. And we have got to get this through our head, church. It is an elementary principle that God's word works. When he says, do not do something, it is for your benefit. It is not because he's a dictator God and wants to keep you from something. He's telling you because he knows. What benefit did you reap? Was it really worth it? 
because now you're ashamed of it. The wages of sin is death. But God wants you to have eternal, everlasting life that goes on and on and on. And it's a gift from him. And turn over to Ezekiel 16. Ezekiel 16, verses 49 through 50. And we find out a little bit more about Sodom. It says, now this was the sin of your sister, Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. They were haughty and did detestable things before me. That's what, what Sodom was known for. And so uh, God is going to deal with Sodom because uh, rebellion like that is always dealt with. Sin is always dealt with eventually. We will reap consequences of it. And, and so we see in chapter 18, God decides he's going to do something because of the wickedness in Sodom. It was so wicked. And God is going to do something about it. He says the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great. And because their sin is so very grave, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down and check it out, and I'm going to have to do something about it. Can I just tell you, I, I really believe this with all of my heart. Some of you are going to be like, she is so whacked. But I look at the world we're living in right now, the nation and the things that are being called good. We are calling good what God calls sin. We are tolerating in the name of love what God says is sin. And we have got to stop it because look at what God is going to do to Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, quite frankly, I'm just going to be honest with you, makes the United States of America look like, you know, the United States of America makes Sodom and Gomorrah look like angels. And if God did this to Sodom and Gomorrah, I, I, I heard somebody say, if God doesn't do something soon, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's saying the, the outcry, and, and church, this is where our responsibility comes into play. Leslie and I get together every morning crying out to the Lord to move in our life, to move in our church, to move in this ministry, to, to move in this nation. Today, we spend time praying for this nation that God would move, that God would change the hearts, that God would, would do something to get the attention of this nation. But we have a responsibility. He says, I'm responding to the outcry of the people because of the wickedness in Sodom and Gomorrah. We have a responsibility, church, to begin. If my people who are called by not my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and come and heal, my, heal their land. But we can't humble ourselves to even pray and seek his face. I ain't nobody got time for that, but let me see what's happening on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. Yeah, I got time for that. I got time to have lunch with my friends, coffee with my friends. I got time to watch some show on television, but ain't nobody got time to pray and seek his face. And we wonder why we are powerless Christians. We wonder. And so he says, because of the outcry of my people. I'm, I, I, look at this. In chapter 18, verse 16. He sends some angels, and the men rose from there and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them uh, to send them on their way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? 
since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord. Can I tell you, church, we have a responsibility to command our children and our children after them to keep the command of the Lord. Dave and I were with two of our grandchildren this week. I prayed over them. I, 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 before I, I put my, my baby Frankie down in the crib, I prayed over that little thing. I prayed over their room. I, I make confessions over those children almost every single day. We have a responsibility to teach our children and our grandchildren. Some of you are like, I can't talk to my kids about that. They think I'm whacked. They can think I'm whacked. But guess who they're going to call when trouble comes? Today, there was a young man in Tyler's, my son Tyler, who's a police officer in Minnesota. A Twitter came up that, that there was a young man who, who came up missing in the middle of the night. And, and I immediately went to prayer and I said, Lord, I'm asking you for favor for my son. I pray that you give him wisdom to know where to find that young man. That young man needs to be found. And I'm asking you to, to keep him from harm and that you would give Tyler wisdom that he would know where to find that man and, and that that young man would be delivered back to his family safely. I text my son. I said, hey, did you find the young man yet? He said, no. I said, he, he said, mom, outside of divine intervention, it's not going to happen. And I said, well, guess what? And he said, well, mom, I need you to keep praying. And I said, Tyler, you hear the voice of the Lord. I need you to listen to the inner witness in your heart. You hear his voice, and I'm asking God to show you where to find that young man. See, this is what we have a responsibility to do for our children. And some of you are like, I can't talk to my son about that because he's going to think. Who cares? Who cares what they think? You have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. When little Mari came into my life, I said, Mari, girlfriend, you do not want to be in my life. I'm just telling you. You, you don't want to be in it because I take very seriously anybody that's in my life. We pray, this row right here, we pray for every day. We have a responsibility to the next generation to raise them up strong. I'm concerned for the world that's coming if we do not take that responsibility seriously. Yeah. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and keep his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord. That they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may be bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And the Lord said, because of the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see what they have done altogether accordingly to the outcry against it that has come to me. Um, and so they turned and they went towards Sodom and Abraham realized what was happening and he said, God, can I just ask you a question? <laughs> if you find 50 people there that are righteous, will you hold back your wrath? And God said, sure, I'll do it for 50. And Abraham's realizing how corrupt the city is and he said, well, how about 45? <laughs> God said, sure, I'll do it for 45. And he said, well, well what, if there's only what if there's only 40? I'll do it for 40. Mm. What if we can only find 30? He knows his nephew is in that town, in that city. God said, I'll do it for 30. Well, God, one more thing. Could, could you do it for 20? And then he gets down to 10. And God says 10, and that's the end of chapter 18, beginning of chapter 19. The angels are in Sodom and Gomorrah to destroy it. They must not have even found 10. 
because God had given Abraham his word that for 10 he would relent. And so we pick up in chapter 19, and the two angels came to Sodom in the evening at dusk. It's getting dark. Can I tell you, it's in the evening right now. We are at dusk in this world. I believe it with every ounce of my being. And the angels came in the evening at dusk, and Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them. He invited them over to his house. He has no idea who they are. Um, they said, no, we'll spend the night at the open square, and Lot knows what, what that city's like. And he said, he insisted strongly that they come home with him. And, and he took them home. He made them a feast. And then before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, where are the men who came up to you tonight? Bring them out to them, to us, that we may know them carnally. Do I need to tell you what that means? These are men wanting to have sex with these two angels. That's how corrupt and depraved that city was. That the young and the old, all the people from every quarter came. They all wanted uh, uh, around with these, with these two men. Think about this. They want to rape these two men. And, and Abraham, look at his response. So Lot, or Lot, look at his response. Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him and said, please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See, now I have two daughters, which that, I'm just telling you right there, I, I can't even settle that in my mind. I have two daughters who have not known a man Please let me bring them out to you, and you may do with them as you wish. Now, that just bothers me, but I'm not even going to go there tonight. But So Abraham shuts the door behind him so they can't get to those two angels. <laughs> and, and, and he says he calls them brethren, friends. They're so depraved, so wicked, and he's calling them brethren. He has now infiltrated that wicked city, and it's become such a part of him that he refers to these, these perverted men as brethren. It just shows you the downfall in his life and how he's gotten sucked in to Sodom. And so the Bible says that these uh, that they they're pressing on Abra on Lot and they're gonna try to get in to get these two men and the door opens and the two angels grab them and pull them in and shut the door behind them and they they blind the men who are trying to get in. And the men are frustrated because they they can't they still can't get in. They didn't even say, hey, we're blind, maybe that should be a sign to us that what we're doing is wrong. They continue to try to press in the door. And, and so we go on and on and on. This angel is, the angel says, the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. There's a sense of urgency there. And, and they say, he says to Lot, you need to leave this city. Get your wife, get your children, and, and get, get out of here because we have come to destroy this city because of the wickedness that's in it. And so Lot went out in verse 14 and spoke to his sons-in-laws who had married his daughters and said, get up and get out of this place for the Lord will destroy this city. But his sons-in-law, to his sons-in-laws, he seemed to be joking. And I'm just telling you, I I'm telling you, I feel it in my spirit with everything in me. 
we have got to start looking at our lives. I believe that the Lord is coming back soon. I believe it with every ounce of my being. And for some of you, you hear me say that, and like Lot's son-in-laws, you laugh. You think I'm joking. And I am serious that, that I believe that the time is short. I can't stress it enough. I feel like the Lord has told me things in private that I've only shared with Dave and with Leslie. But I can, I can tell you that I feel like I have the word of the Lord on this. And it's not just in my head. I, I feel like I have heard from him clearly. And we have got to start taking this seriously. Instead, we respond like Lot's son-in-laws and we think we're only joking. And so when the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And look what happened. Lot lingered. And that word linger means to tarry, to hesitate, to delay. And so the angels take a hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, because the Lord is being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. And they said to him, escape for your life. And here's what I want you to see. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. So they've been commanded to flee, to run. What do you do when, when the wickedness of Sodom entices you and you get involved in that kind of wickedness? You start dwelling in that place of wickedness. And the word of the Lord comes to you. You flee. You don't stay there and, and, and tinker with evil. Some of you are tinkering with evil tonight. You, you're, you have a, a number in your phone that you're playing with. You think, you know what, I, you know, there's a man at work that you're flirting with. or There's something that you're doing that you're tinkering with wickedness. You're tinkering with evil. And I am giving you the word of the Lord tonight to flee from that thing. To flee from it. Some of you are holding on to unforgiveness and hatred. And you want to punish people because they've hurt you so badly. And I'm giving you the word from the Lord. He gave it to me. Flee from that thing. Have nothing to do with that thing. Some of you are so jealous and so envious and it taints your whole life and it makes you ugly. I have the word of the Lord for you. Flee from that thing. Don't get involved in that kind of wickedness. Some of you are viewing pornography. You're involved in illicit affairs, homosexual affairs. And I have the word of the Lord for you. Flee from that thing. Flee from that thing. Some of you are living in a place of self-pity and defeat. You are angry with the Lord because of stuff that's happened in your life. And you're looking at the grass being greener in everybody else's life. And it's appealing. Flee from that thing. Flee. The angel said, don't look back. Some of your whole life is about looking back. Do you know what they did to me? Do you know what they said about me? Do you know how much they hurt me? Do you, do you know that this happened 10 years ago? And do you know that, that this person left me? Do you know that God did this and allowed this? Get your eyes off of the past and on to the future. Where God is already there with a plan and a purpose for your life that's so good that you, you can't even imagine, but you can't see it because your eyes are looking back. And that's destruction back there. That's destruction. Get your eyes focused ahead. Fix your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith. Fix your eyes on things above, not on the things of this world. Where your life is hidden with God in Christ Jesus. Don't look back. Look at verse 26. They start fleeing. 
and his wife looks back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Now, this is, remember, Lot's wife. This is what we started with, where Jesus said, you know, that the end of times is coming. I'm coming back. And, and here's what you need to know. Two men will be working in the field. One will disappear, and one will be left standing. Two, men, two people will be in bed. One will be taken away, and one will be left in that bed. Remember Lot's wife. What do we know about her? The only thing we know about her is that she looked back. That's all we know about her. And Jesus is basing his, his coming back message with remember Lot's wife. Stop wasting your time looking back. Get busy. Get busy with the things of the Lord. Leslie and I were talking today, and we were talking about the schemes of the enemy in our life and, and how he, he wants us focused on stuff back there because it keeps us from going forward with him. We cannot be looking back. Remember Lot's wife. What else do we know about her? We know that Lot did not have her when he left with Abraham when he left his country, because the Bible said that Abraham took Sarah and took his wife and Lot, his nephew. doesn't mention that Lot was married at that time. We don't see any reference to Lot being married until he gets to Sodom. So that tells me she must have been from Sodom. When the Bible says she looked back, it means she looks back with longing. She looks back with longing. She, she this is... I'm leaving this thing that I love so much. I'm leaving this thing that's been a part of me. She could not tear herself away from the world that God had commanded her to leave. And some of you cannot tear yourself away from the world that God has commanded you to leave. He has commanded you to leave doubt and unbelief, but you can't tear yourself away from it. He has commanded you to leave unforgiveness and hatred and bitterness, but you can't tear yourself away from it. He has commanded you to leave gossip and malice and slander, but you can't tear yourself away from it. You keep looking back with longing. He's commanded you to leave anger and rage, but you can't tear yourself away from it. You look back with a longing. He's commanded you to leave addiction that's destroying your life, but you can't tear yourself away from it. You look back with longing. I want another drink. I need another drink. It's destroying your stinking life. And he has set before you life. He's set before you life. Everything you need for life and godliness is in you. You are without excuse. He will give you the power to do what he's commanded you to do. But you have to choose to not look back. I am leaving that thing. And I'm pressing on with God. Lot's wife had lost sight of the fact that the promise and the provision of God was better than anything in her past. And so she got stuck. She got stuck in a place she was only meant to pass through. She was never meant to dwell in, in Sodom. Lot was never meant to dwell in Sodom. They were passing through, and God had a better plan for them. Some of you are stuck in unforgiveness. God meant for you to pass through that into a place of great provision, but you're stuck. 
you got to stop looking back. She couldn't let go of her past to give her a happy future. She was destroyed because she looked back and couldn't let go. Some of you are being destroyed because you can't let go of your past. You keep looking back. Lot's wife doubted God's ability to give her something better than what she had. And some of you can't let go because you doubt God's ability to give you something better than you have. She looked back. The word look back means to regard, to pay attention to, to regard with pleasure. This must be better than what God has for me. We make Lot out to be a bad guy. Second Peter uh, tells us um, that he was a righteous man. He just got corrupted. He just compromised. But I want to go back to what Jesus said. Two men working in a field, one disappeared, one left, one, one left, was left working in the field. One was two men, two people in bed, one was taken, one was left. Lot's wife, he says, remember Lot's wife in that context. You see, she was united with a godly man, a righteous man. She had the influence of everything that that, that Lot had learned from Abraham, and yet she perished. He was left, he was safe, she perished. And some of you think that just because you're going through religious motions that, that you won't perish. I'm telling you, it takes commitment, it takes a, 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 a um, intentionality as we walk with God to walk in obedience, to remain separate it. I, I just, I was interesting, a uh, lot, he, the, the angel said, don't go to, make sure you don't stop and go to the mountains, and, and, and don't stop till you get to the mountains, and Lot argues with the angel, and he says, how about we stop in, in Zor? Can we, it's a little town, it's just a little thing, he said. I, I know that God's word to me was go to the mountains, <laughs> but that's too much for me, and so could we stop at Zor? And then he says, it's just a little thing. Bothered me all day. So finally I looked up the word Zor, the place that Lot ended up settling. Do you know what the word means? Insignificant. It's just a little thing. I know God said to go to the mountains, which is the mountaintop is a place of great abundance and, you know, experience with God. It's just a little, little thing. It's just a little compromise, Lord, in obedience. I left. I, see, I left Sodom. <laughs> I just want to go to Zor. I, I don't want to climb a mountain. I, I don't want this to be work than live in a place of insignificance. We don't hear anything else about Lot except that he slept with his daughters. But his daughters took advantage of him right after this that his wife became a pillar of salt. But man, we know a lot about Abraham, who didn't compromise, who lived a separated life, who obeyed God. We know a lot about him. Do you want a life of insignificance? Or do you want a life of abundance? I, I don't know about you, but I... I'm just telling you, I, this just rocked my world. I, 
I just, I just had to ask myself where I'm pitching my tent, where I'm choosing to dwell, what I'm looking back at that's destroying me. And I got a lot of that stuff. I got something in my life that hurt me so greatly, so greatly. And I feel so justified keeping my eye on it. Because I don't ever want to hurt like that again. And so my eye, even if I'm not turned that way, I always look it over my shoulder. God said to me today, stop looking back. Do you want this to destroy you? Do you want this to keep you in a place of insignificance and, wit and wickedness? Or do you want to see my provision and my promises being fulfilled? It's a choice. So I want to challenge you as the worship team comes to close. I want to challenge you to, to ask yourself, where are you pitching your tent, number one? Are you away from evil but close enough to just indulge every once in a while? Or are you living a separated life? Are you tinkering with evil? Because I'm telling you that thing will catch up with you. We always think it won't, but it always does. And secondly, what are you focusing on what are you looking back at that God said, let me deal with that, and you just press on, throwing off everything that hinders and running the race that's set before you? And then thirdly, are you walking in obedience to God's word, or are you compromising even with that, saying, you know, I, I just want to stop off in Zor. It's just a little thing, God. It's a small thing. I'm just asking for a little bit of compromise here. You know, I, I'll be nice to them, but I won't really forgive them. It's just a little thing. I'm just trying to protect myself. Where are you at in this story? Because if we can't take what we just heard and apply it to our life and learn from it, we really wasted our time here tonight. And so try to take a nugget of truth back home with you tonight and, and begin to look at it to look at it. So Father, I just pray for every person here tonight. I ask for continued revelation, for continued insight. Lord God, that you would continue to shine your light on your word and give us revelation, Lord, that, that only you can give. Illuminate your word, Father. Transform us by your word, Lord. Put your finger on things in our life that you truly want us to deal with, that you want us to look at, Father. Areas of compromise, areas of bartering with our faith, Lord God, areas of, of not living separate. And Show us, Lord, I pray. Bless each one here, Father, I ask, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.